नमो तस्वतो अर्हतो समो तस्वतो अर्हतो समुद्ध आफ्टरनून एवरीबॉडी आई वॉन्ट टू कंटिन्यू फॉर रामेटो I think today is the 5th of uh, June at uh, Kaya House year 2007. Is it right? <laughs> okay. Uh today I like to talk on uh, something that you have heard over and over again. It doesn't matter how many times you hear the same thing. The more you hear the same thing repeatedly, the better for you and for everybody. Uh, because that is the way to remember things. Listening to the same thing, reading the same thing over and over again for many, many times, then it will stick in your head. Secondly, I ask people, is there anything in your life that you have done only once? Anything? You may say, well, I was born only once. That is not true. <laughs> every second, every fraction of a second we are dying and taking rebirth. And when we die, we will be reborn again. So some people are very proud of being born again. We are born again and again and again and again. <laughs> so we should be very proud about it. So anyway, there is nothing in our life we do only once. We repeat how many times you breathe, how many times you eat, how many times you sleep. Ask yourself, is there one single thing that you have done it and never did it again, never will do again, nothing. So, <laughs> therefore, I am going to repeat what you have heard. And also, when you hear the same thing from different teachers, you will have a broader perspective on the subject. And for these reasons and many more reasons, <laughs> I am going to say something that you have already heard. That is called uh, five aggregates. Is there anybody who has not heard the five aggregates? You have not heard? You have not heard? Three? You see? At least there are three people who have not heard the five aggregates. That is more the reason to repeat it. <laughs> so, five aggregates are form, feelings, perceptions, thoughts, of volitional formations and consciousness. They are called aggregates. Form is uh, made up of many, many things, primarily four elements. And according to Abhidhamma, form is divided into twenty-eight. 
I'm not going to give you the list. Uh, uh, giving a list uh, is uh, so really boring, <laughs> so tiring. So you look up in uh, Abhidhamma books to refresh your memory of the number of forms, 28. But primarily they all, the form is made up of four major elements, primary elements. Anything that is made up of these four elements is called form. I think even uh, subatomic particles, molecules, quarks, all these are made up of these elements. If you can subdivide the quark into some other divisions, they all are made up of this. Although sometimes quark itself has not been seen by anybody, although they talk about it, and yet if there is something like that, that also is made up of this element, the basic element. Element is something you cannot see uh, with your eyes. Uh, you really cannot uh, touch and say this is such and such element and so forth. Elements are understood through their behavior, through their characteristics, uh, such as earth element can be known through a hard touch. Uh, water elements you can uh, understand being something putting to together, other things put together through the water element. Air element you can understand by motion, movement, oscillation. And the heat element we can understand through radiation and feeling warm, hot or cold. <coughs> so whatever has these four elements is called form. And there is perhaps nothing in the universe which is not made up of these elements. And they are called aggregates because, because they are collection of all these things. And our uh, body is made up of these elements. And the body is divided into 32 parts. 20 of them belong to earth element, 12 belong to uh, water element. Uh, earth element, the, uh, in the original text, we have only 19, not 20. Later commentators added another part, and uh, so they thought of putting it, inserting it somewhere in the element, in the group of uh, twelve at uh, twenty uh, nineteen, starting with head, hair, body, hair, and so forth. It comes to comes down to feces. So commentators added brain under feces. So just after feces you find the brain. <laughs> they put it there for good reason, that is uh, all belong to earth elements, including brain. And the other are twelve water elements. But air elements 
is not mentioned in this 32, but it is mentioned in other places. Similarly, heat element is not mentioned there. But there is another element, fifth element called Akasa Dhatu, space element. Our body, uh, tiniest part, even the tiniest part of the body has air in it, or space in it. Therefore, space element also is included. Now, the form is, uh, Buddha gave a very beautiful five, five similes to illustrate these five uh, aggregates. The form he compared to F-O-R-M form compared to F-O-A-M form because uh, the collection of bubbles made into an apparent big object called form. And then uh, second is uh, uh, feeling, aggregate of feeling. Feeling is compared feeling there are all kind of feelings, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral feelings. Uh, and as I mentioned the other day, there are 108 kind of feelings that Buddha has uh, mentioned in Bahu uh, Vedaniya Sutta in Madhyaminikaya. Uh, that also is uh, something we can experience any given time. We experience certain kind of feeling. Feeling and sensation uh, have only one word in Pali, that is Vedana. Only in uh, modern psychology you find uh, two words. Feeling is uh, uh, more mental and sensation is more physical. But anyway for both in Pali we have only one word, that is Vedana, but divided into many, many different categories. And Buddha compared feeling to bubbles. He said, Vedana bubbulupama. Bubbula in Pali is bubble in English, very close to English word. And the feeling is like bubble. It's bubbling all the time. If you pay uh, very mindful attention to any of your feelings, it is arising, giving an impression or perception of its appearance. It is uh, something, but then it disappears. It happens very, very quickly. Then, uh, third is uh, uh, Perception, perception is compared to um, mirage. Uh, mirage, as you know, uh, also apparently uh, water. Mirage appears like water. It is called mirage because it deceives uh, deer, meager. Mega is Pali, dear, and this particular appearance 
the heat uh, coming uh, from the ground in hot summer days uh, gives this appearance of water. So the deer runs after that to drink. Deer may be very thirsty and wants to drink water and sees this mirage and runs into that to drink. When he goes near, there's no water. So the deer turns back and then he sees water behind. So he runs back again. Uh, and after running after some distance, he could not see any water. Then he ran, turns back again and then see water that he has already passed. So this deer is bewildered, confused uh, for this uh, mirage as he took it as for water. Similarly, our perception is deceptive. Uh, this, there are various types of uh, deceptive perception. We call in Pali distorted perception, not Pali in English, distorted perception. is <laughs> 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 uh, called uh, Vipallasa in Pali. Vipallasa. Uh, Chitta Vipallasa, Vitti Vipallasa, uh, Sanya Vipallasa, and so forth. Uh, our uh, thinking becomes uh, confused, our uh, perception becomes confused. Uh, one example is uh, uh, optic illusion. Optic illusion. Uh, when uh, you take a firebrand and you know turn it uh, very fast, you will see a, a circle, which in fact is not true. Uh, also when you see two airplanes flying against each other, at a certain point you can see both planes uh, are standing still without moving. And so forth, uh, <coughs> when you see a fan, you know, moving very fast, uh, you may not see the blade, but you, through the blade you can see the ceiling, in spite of the fact that it is uh, rotating very fast. Uh, you see the ceiling. All these are visual or optic illusion. You can think many, many more of them. So perception uh, always is not uh, uh, giving the true uh, reality of the object. Uh, when you see a person for the first time, either you think the person is very, very attractive and then you get closer and associate with the person for some time, you will lose your original first impression because your first impression was an illusion. That, that, that is the perception you had. Uh, you hear various type of things and when you Sometimes you hear a voice of somebody over radio or TV without seeing the person. When you hear the voice, you think this person must be very beautiful. But when you see the person, you never want to see the person again. 
So that kind of uh, uh, deception is there in our perception. Therefore, Buddha compared it to uh, an illusion, uh, like uh, what you call mirage. Uh, that is the third. Fourth is called, uh, in Pali it is called Sankhara. <coughs> Sankhara is, Sankhara means uh, uh, conditions or conditioned things. <coughs> uh, it is called Sankhara. This, this word is very important to remember. Not other words, uh, other words are unimportant, but this is more important than other words, because it is a very, it has a very deep meaning, and also untranslatable word. We cannot translate that word into any language to convey the, the complete meaning. Uh, we may get some idea but not the complete meaning, because the word Sankhara <coughs> sometimes is wholesome, sometimes unwholesome, sometimes neither wholesome nor unwholesome. They are sometimes called Punyabi Sankhara, Apunyabi Sankhara, Aninyabi Sankhara. Punyabi Sankhara means, uh, uh, we may say, volitional formation, Volitional formations is one narrow meaning of Sankara, uh, but that is uh, the ethical part of Sankara. But there is another Sankara which is uh, uh, neither moral nor immoral, but amoral. Uh, that is uh, like this carpet, this clock, this glass, this house all objects in the whole universe, in the broader sense, are sankharas, because they all have come into existence through causes and conditions. Anything that comes into existence through causes and conditions is called sankhara. They are called sankhara. <coughs> Buddha defined it in uh, Samyutta Nikaya, Sankhatang abhisankharoti iti sankharang, that which is already made, keeps modifying, changing, is called sankhara. Something is, something comes into, into existence, but that thing keeps changing, modifying, like uh, uh, it's a, uh, 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 say, uh, mutation, uh, modification, uh, evolution, uh, things can evolve from something already exists, from that thing something else can, can be evolved. And because of this uh, conditioning, reconditioning, repairing, preparing, modifying, collecting, changing, all these things can happen to anything. Therefore, all these things are called sankhara in the wider sense. But in the narrower sense, 
in the ethical sense, uh, sankhara means volitional formation. Will involves in this formation. Therefore, it is called volitional formation. That which is volitionally formed can be wholesome if the volition is wholesome. It can be unwholesome if the volition is unwholesome. It can be superb wholesome if the volition is uh, more uh, purified. Therefore, that particular sankara, sankaras are called ānenyābhi sankara. Punyābhi sankara, apunyābhi sankara, ānenyābhi sankara. Punyābhi sankara means wholesome volitional formation. Apunyābhi sankara means unwholesome volitional formation. Ānenyābhi sankara means imperturbable volitional formation. What are the imperturbable, undisturbable volitional formation? <coughs> the mental state that a meditator uh, achieves through the practice of jhana. Jhana is a very special mental development through deep concentration and that concentrated mind becomes so powerful, so strong, so steady, it will not be perturbed or disturbed by anything. Very steady state of mind. Therefore, that particular kind of volitional formation is called imperturbable volitional formation that belongs to wholesome category, but wholesome in a superlative degree. Not just wholesome, but very, very highly, wholly, wholly wholesome. <laughs> Therefore it is called imperturbable volitional formation, ānenyābhi sankhara. Now, I mentioned sankhara, sankharas, all sankharas are provisions for sankhara. Even if you have uh, imperturbable volitional formation, they are volitional formation which necessarily produce their result in another life. That means even un, uh, um, imperturbable volitional formations can cause pre-birth. They do cause pre-birth. Therefore, even imperturbable volitional formation will not stop pre-birth. So, even they are therefore called provision for your samsara. I call them backpack for samsara. If the sankhara, sankhara is this uh, volitional formation, if the sankhara pack, backpack is big, 
your sankara journey is very long and very heavy if the sankara backpack is small your sankara journey is short and backpack is light so you you must think whether you carry big backpack or small backpack whether you want to go long journey or short journey <laughs> when we meditate what we try to do is to make backpack smaller <laughs> so the journey will be shorter these two words go very well together in sankara sankara goes with sankara so sankara uh, is compared to by the buddha uh, banana tree banana tree uh, then i like to use another word which uh, not because i want to be better than the buddha <laughs> but uh, uh, nobody can be better than the buddha definitely uh, but buddha has given us a permission to use our own understandable language to teach the dhamma if how many of you have seen banana tree in the west i mean okay you have to go to you have to go to asia warm country no tropical countries to see banana somebody living in alaska north canada north america how can they see banana they have to get go to a greenhouse somewhere they can eat banana they don't see banana trees like you eat mango you don't see mango trees very often here in in the northern countries you go to go to the tropics so i try to use a simile which can anybody anywhere in the world can understand that simile is it really i i use it because it's a very profound word <laughs> that is spelled as on and on with i in the middle what is that onion on and on with i in the middle that is sankara <laughs> we commit sankara because so i in the middle if there is no i <laughs> nobody commits sankara volitional formation so i is trapped in between on and on and then you go on and on and on <laughs> because we come with on and trap i trap in the center and then go on again so this is what is called onion uh, and sankara is exactly like that <coughs> volitional formations is exactly like that purely because of volitional formation 
we keep going in samsara. That's why, as I mentioned, <laughs> our samsara journey becomes longer if the onion is big <laughs> or samsara bag is big. <clears throat> so, the other thing is why the Buddha used the banana uh, tree is because when you keep peeling banana tree to find a core, heart, you never find it. Everything of the banana plant, banana tree, can be peeled off. The same thing with onion. You keep peeling, 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 there is no heart. Everything you can peel off in the onion. When you do sankara, commit sankara, volitional formation, uh, in our mind we think that there is an I. I meditate, I practice generosity, I observe morality, I serve the society, I do this service to the community, I do that service to the community, I save the country, I save the family. So everywhere you can see I. Can you do anything without I? Can you talk anything without I? Can you move around without I? I is always trapped. If you try to find out where I is, you never find it. But I is an extremely important word. In our conversation, daily conversation, the, the most often used word is I. If you listen to somebody's conversation, maybe 90% of the conversation is around I, me, my. I, me, my. My mother, my father, my brother, my property, my job, my headache, my hair, my this, my that, you know. Or, I went to such and such a place, I did such and such, I thought like this, I have this and I don't have this, you have this and so forth. I, or, me, so this song, I, 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 me, 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 me. Mine, 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 mine. This is the song that is going on in our mind all the time. And because of this central uh, core, which does not exist, it is just mere word, concept. This concept has so much power in it, everything we do, pivots around this concept. Just imagine how many things we do because I want to do it. Because I want to go. I want to meditate. I want to say what I want to say. I may have my, my feeling and so forth and so on. I, my mind. <coughs> uh, it is almost impossible for anybody to have any conversation without using word I. 
But when we try to find out where this I is, we will never find it. I ask my friend many times, have you ever seen longitude? Have you seen latitude? Have you seen international date line? Although we are using these terms, in order to make our communications easy, nobody on earth has seen, you know, believe me, I, I travel quite a bit. Uh, I was trying to look, you know, to find out longitude. I have never found it. All in the geographic, you know, geography, you know, map, world map, you can see the line. This is longitude, this is latitude, this is Capricorn, this is Cancer, this is that. I was looking for it on earth, never found it. I believe you also have never found it. But can we stop using it? In order to give somebody right proper spot at any place in the world, we have to use it. But we never find it. I was in Fiji Island once, and when I, I was going on a road, on the right hand side there was a sign saying yesterday. <laughs> Left hand side there was a sign saying tomorrow. Where is today? <laughs> today was the international date line. I never found it, but I found the road. We were walking, we were driving and so forth. So, even though I was walking on the international date line, I have never seen it. I saw only the road. Similarly, this notion, this concept, I, we always use without any hesitation. So Buddha said, uh, when he was talking about uh, this thing in, uh, particularly in uh, uh, Anatta Lakkhana Sutta, the second discourse Buddha delivered. First discourse was Dhamma Chakra Pavatana Sutta, only one of his five colleagues, ascetics, attained the first stage of enlightenment by listening to the first sermon. Then he gave a second sermon, also in at Gaya. First one was in Benari, second was, was in Gaya. In that sermon, he talked about uh, this deceptive notion called I. <coughs> and at the end of that sermon, all the five attain full enlightenment. Arahantu. <coughs> and Buddha said then there were six Arahants in the world. 
including the Buddha. So friends, uh, this is an extremely difficult point to understand. Uh, it's so difficult sometimes people get very angry when we say there is no such thing as uh, permanent self, people get angry. Although they never found it, but they want to believe it. They want to hold on to it. And if you say it, it doesn't exist, although they don't see it, they don't find it, still they want to hold on to it and don't tell me that there is no such thing as that. I remember I wrote a paper once, and whenever I write something in English, I get somebody who, who is a native English speaker to edit my writing. So I found a man, a very nice person, he came to see me, I gave him this paper, asking him to look at it and correct it. After that I did not see him for six months. <laughs> then uh, I have already promised uh, a magazine to send this article. This man disappeared. After about six months and still those people were very kind, they were still, you know, waiting to get my article. After about six months uh, he appeared again. Then uh, it is very sensitive uh, thing to ask him whether he went through the article. So I said, uh, would you like to have a walk with me? He said, oh yes. So we went for a walk. I walked five miles a day. On the way, I started, I, you know, began to, you know, beat around the bush. <laughs> I, I did not want to bring this subject very quickly. <laughs> because that could ruin our walk. <laughs> we had to walk very, with unpleasant feeling. So I was very tactful and diplomatic and was thinking everything. Finally, I asked him, uh, you must have been very busy these days. He said, oh yes, very busy. <laughs> <laughs> my family, my job, and so forth and so on. Ah. That may be the reason perhaps why you perhaps didn't have much time to contact me. Then perhaps he thought of, of my paper. He said, oh yes, Pante, I remember you giving me a paper. Then I was very happy that it came from his own mouth. So I didn't have to bring it up myself. Then I asked him, uh, did you have any chance to look at it? Oh yes, I read the paper, but Bante, I read uh, part of it and came up, came to a point where you said that there is no self. I got so angry, they, forgive me, I threw away the paper. <laughs> I don't agree with that notion and I don't want to, didn't want to correct it. I was very angry, I threw away the paper. So he threw away my ego. <laughs> Somehow I found uh, 
my rough notes in my computer and uh, rewrote the paper and got somebody else uh, to uh, polish it. So this is what really happened. Buddha said, Buddha predicted, Buddha said, though, be very careful when you talk about no self, people get, can, can get angry. So anyway, when we come, a, come across this uh, word Sankhara, uh, I, I always think of this very beautiful simile of onion. Sankhara we commit uh, purely because uh, we want, we want to do something good. Sometimes we do something bad, not because we want to do bad, but uh, situation thrusts us into situation and we do something bad, also intentionally. We do wholesome thing <coughs> with the intention of uh, getting rewards to be born in a better place, uh, to go to heaven, uh, or even to attain enlightenment. So, in all these situations, I is in the center. And as long as this notion exists, we are bound to do something either wholesome or unwholesome to get reward, particularly wholesome things. <coughs> so, so we keep building up various kinds of thoughts. And therefore Buddha compared volitional formations to banana tree and I compare it to an onion. It is very much like that. You just think about this simile, the on and on with I in the middle. That's a very beautiful, it has a very uh, real deep philosophical meaning. And the last uh, sim uh, aggregate is called uh, consciousness, that also is an aggregate. As I said, aggregate means the collection of various things. Uh, consciousness seems to be one thing, but consciousness also is not one. It also is made up of many kind of things, at least six kind of consciousness we can find in sutras, and 89 of them or 120 of them you can find in Abhidhamma. What are the six kinds of consciousness? Eye consciousness, ear consciousness, nose consciousness, tongue consciousness, body consciousness, and mind consciousness. Eye consciousness means consciousness arising through the eye is called eye consciousness. Ear consciousness and so forth. They also are the same. <coughs> now, consciousness is compared to a uh, uh, work of a magician. Uh, magicians uh, do various tricks to create something to surprise you. <coughs> It is very interesting, uh, 
when you see a magician <coughs> uh, going to a stage, uh, there has to be a dark background. It is very much like, uh, uh, I would like to compare also that to uh, uh, a movie. When you see a movie, uh, I know when you fly uh, on an on airplane, uh, just before they start showing the movie, they ask everybody to uh, close the window shut the shuttle so that uh, inside there will be dark. Only with the dark background, in darkness you can see the movie better. If there is very bright light, you cannot see it clearly. Similarly, this magician needs some dark background. So he would come out and you would go behind the wall uh, without letting anybody know and drill a little hole secretly and you stand behind the wall. And audience like this will, will sit in the large hall and there will be a curtain. Magician will go inside the curtain. Uh, so you are watching through that tiny hole what the magician is doing. So when the magician comes out of the screen, he will take a cap and show the cap to everybody. It is an empty cap. When everybody has convinced that cap was empty, he put his hand inside and pull out a pigeon. You can see the pigeon flying. <coughs> or he takes the stick and break it into two and pass one part this side and one part this side. Everybody sees two pieces. And then he collect these two pieces and then put together and blow one stick. Or he swallow a big sword, six feet long sword, he swallow and come even with blood in it. He's not dead. He gets somebody and put in a box and cut into two. Head is this side, body is this side. You can see. But you, standing behind the wall, looking through the hole, you will see all the tricks and you will not be amazed, surprised, mesmerized by this magician's tricks. <coughs> so you have to, you, when you come out, you came from outside where there is bright light, but you have seen what he was actually doing inside. When you come out, your, some of your friends might have been in the audience and they would ask you, where have you been? Well, what are you doing? He would ask, what, what were you doing? We were watching uh, magic. Didn't you see any magic? 
you would say there is no magic. Then people sitting in the audience would say, this poor friend, he is so deluded, <laughs> he did not see magic. We are so bright and intelligent, we also magic. Actually, who is deluded? You or they? <coughs> For magic and movies, there must be a dark background. Only at the dark background, with the dark background, you can see the picture clearly. Similarly, we have to have an enormous amount of ignorance to enjoy this magic. Ignorance is like our darkness. So only when we are ignorant of what, the, what this man did, we enjoy it. If we saw it and not ignorant and saw exactly everything he did, we will not be deluded. So Buddha said, <coughs> our consciousness tricks us. Just like a magician tricks, tricks us. And therefore, it is possible for us to get carried away with tricks that our consciousness uh, play on, on our life. So, these are the five aggregates. And these five aggregates, why Buddha spent so much time explaining these five aggregates in the Sanyutrika, there is a one whole section called Khanda Sanyutta. Khanda Sanyutta. Khanda, in Sinhalese called Khanda. Khanda is mountain. These Khandas are like mountains. We build up, we, we build up perception, we build up consciousness, we build up uh, volitional formations, we build up uh, uh, all kind of feelings, we build up all kind of uh, formations, you know, forms, and keep building, 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 building this in samsara, and therefore they are called khandas, skanda in Sanskrit. So, why the Buddha spent so much time explaining all these things and asked us to use these five aggregates as objects of meditation is because he wanted us to see them exactly as they are. <coughs> you know, we repeatedly say one one, uh, one thing we do in Vipassana meditation is training ourselves to see things as they are. When you hear the word see things as they are, you must ask a que several questions. One is uh, uh, see. Then the second is as they are means as they means what? What are these they? And what are these they as they are? They here means nothing but these five aggregates. As I mentioned, that's all we have to work with. 
That's what we have. At any given moment, either we we become aware of our form, or we become aware of our feelings, or perception, or volitional formation, or consciousness. These are things we have, and see them as they really are, to see them as they really are, at least we can use these five similes. Five similes form as the collection of bubbles, feelings as bubbles, perception as mirage, volitional formation like onion or banana tree, or consciousness as magician's work, magic. Uh, (coughs) You know, at least when you have these similes in mind, we may have glimpses of the meaning of these similes, glimpses periodically, occasionally, when you are all alone focusing your mind on your own body and mind. Why is that? Why we want to see them in this way? Because we want to understand our own body and mind exactly as they are, so that we will be able to remove our deluded perception uh, misunderstanding uh, and try to hold on to them, cling to them, and we can avoid our clinging and holding on to them, as they are always in a state of flux, changing, form is forming all the time. Bubbles are bubbling all the time. Mirage is changing all the time. Uh, onion is changing all the time, and magician's magic is changing all the time. This will not uh, be so easy to grasp, but when we constantly think about them, (coughs) we at least will have some glimpse, some understanding of them, and that helps us to accept us as we are. You know, in, in one thing we learn in meditation is not to run away from reality. Not to run away from reality, but run into reality. Not to reject the reality, but to accept the reality. Not to deny reality, but go along with the reality. And that is why we want to look at these five aggregates exactly as they are, within our own personality, our own body and mind. (coughs) And therefore, I mentioned the other day, the field of our meditation, mindfulness meditation field, or the domain, the scope, 
is nothing but these five aggregates. We always keep looking at them, trying to understand them uh, as they are. Uh, deeper we understand these five aggregates, the better and quicker our attainment of liberation from pain and suffering. And that is our goal. With this uh, goal in mind we keep practicing and I wish you all success.